Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at various places of domicile around a very chilly New York City <laughs> <laughs> right now. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of the Fanatic PW's Twice a Month Comics and Pop Culture Newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes. And on Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. And don't forget, you can rate us. You can comment on us. You can let us know how we're doing, like uh, give us a star rating or uh, give us some feedback. We love to hear from our listeners. Talk to us. All right. This week on More to Come, when will comics conventions return? We may have an answer. Uh, Dark Horse to publish Unique Studio. Uh, some new companies launch and the ALA Awards and the Altsolist 2021. So, comics conventions are uh, certainly virtual comics conventions uh, are still going on. Um, and I think we've, we've all been involved in a few very recently. Yes, yeah? Yeah, so yeah, we, we well, uh, Calvin, you were. I mean, I woke up <laughs> this morning and the first thing I saw was you uh, because I was uh, registered for this webinar. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, you know, everybody's dying for cons to come back. I mean, we know that, uh, you know, my creator survey, every single person said, I can't wait for cons to come back, but, uh, you know, wishing and, and things being safe to happen, uh, is two different things. There was actually an article in IGN, which I am quoted in, by the way, ah. uh, asking when will Comic-Cons return. And, uh, Mike Avely wrote it and he talked to a few people, including David Glanzer, uh, who said, oh. You know, they are on the schedule for WonderCon and San Diego in the normal times of April and July. However, um, that's just yeah. a placeholder. Uh, <laughs> you know, he says if there's a surge in it, Flanzer says if there's a surge or something happens, we can be shut down quickly. There's just so many variables I don't think any of us have had to deal with before. Uh, it makes it very clear that, you know, don't count on it. <laughs> well, I think that that's... Uh, yeah, I think that's probably yeah. worse to the wise for sure. Uh, well, I, I back. Not everybody is is as um, sensible as that. There's uh, definitely other other takes on on what one should do. For example, uh, now it is true that other countries do have um, some better numbers with the coronavirus, but meanwhile, Taipei wants to hold this year's international Taipei International Comics and Animation Festival as planned on February 8th. No. No. Yes. No. Oh, just stop. <laughs> Their plan is to have 9,000 people there. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's crazy. So, meanwhile, there's a COVID-19 cluster infection nearby at Taoyuan, General Hospital, so the authorities are making noises about maybe canceling it, whether they like it or not. Yeah, you know, a lot of times, as we've learned over the last year, uh, an event um, 
doesn't announce the cancellation until the civic leaders or government does because that it impacts, you know, their cancellation fees and everything. You know, when it's it's not their fault, then I think they don't have to pay that hefty cancellation fee. So, you know, obviously everybody's taking a bath on all this. So, yeah. you know, the well, Tiger Bay folks might be playing chicken or maybe they think it's safe. I don't know. Yeah, they may be playing chicken. But they said <clears throat> that um, association – Secretary General, as say the association for this convention, uh, Kuo Shi Chuang, said that since they haven't received official notice from the government, they are going to have people wear goggles and have personnel on patrol to warn against eating and drinking on the premises. Um, is, is this the dumbest thing you've ever heard? It's, oh, it's, I, I really hope that they're playing chicken. Um, and that they actually are planning to be closed because if they really genuinely want to open, they're crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm chuckling, I'm chuckling, but this is life and death. This is it's yeah. dark yes, humor. But, but what are the, what is the infection rate in Taipei? It is much lower than here, it's but high lower. enough that the authorities don't want 9,000 people in one <laughs> right. place. Right. Yeah. Especially with all these, these variants, you know, uh, mm, mm. I mean, not to, yeah. You know, not to just keep dwelling on this freaking pandemic thing we've been talking about for a year, but, um, you know, there's all these new uh, variants. And uh, even if you have, you know, I mean, all props to Taiwan, Taipei, um, for for getting their rates down. You know, some yes. places have, mostly islands, <laughs> to be honest. And uh, But, you know, they, they, they still have to get vaccinated, so they're still vulnerable. Uh, one, yeah. people... Flying around on airplanes, going to cons, no, 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 yeah. no, I, I don't see it. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, but but there's but, one other. Oh, so so another yeah. something that really captured the imagination of everybody on Twitter this week was, um, Image and Skybound put out a survey. Uh, asking if people would be interested in a Comic-Con cruise. Now, and everybody's like, 2021, no way. Now, uh, look, i got to be fair to them. They say, would you be interested in taking it (laughs) spring 2022, late 2022, or early 2023? So it's not, you know, they're putting a big buffer. Yeah. I saw saw that too. But but even so. I still said, hell no. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, conventions themselves are, to be frank, a bit of a risk. And I think people will be leery about them even when we have this mostly under control. But at least in a convention, you can walk outside. You have fresh air that is not being circulated by a ship's system. And given that some of the first major hotspots internationally of this disease were cruise ships, Uh, I don't know that a convention on a cruise ship Sounds like a, a a match made in heaven in the next couple of years. So I'm, um, I don't know. It just strikes me as a bad idea. Well, I I, okay. I taste I tastelessly called it COVID con, but but you yeah, know I'm just that was I, very bad con. Yeah, I couldn't help it. But there you go. But look, Kate, obviously I, I, we hope for the best. Yeah, we hope for the best. And look, I, I I look props to Image and Skybound for at least trying to think outside the box. I mean, there have been cruises. There have been comics cruises before. There was a CBLDF cruise, which I sadly yeah. did not go on because I hear it was insane. Um, and, uh, you know, Chris Jericho has this wrestling cruise. I mean, there's tons of cruises, tons of themed cruises. They're back in the olden times. They were very successful. So, I mean, doing a comic con cruise is, uh, an idea. Now there was one called fantasy 
that was a Comic-Con cruise that, mm. you know, during during the rage, you know, for nerd nerd liberty cons and they only did one. So who knows how that went? Um, so I'm sympathetic to Image and Skybound for at least trying to do something to have for people to look forward to, you know, but yeah. it's still a crappy idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's a time and a place. Yes. Right. Time, it's like too soon. Maybe, it's too soon. Maybe this is not, maybe have a getaway or something that you suggest, but not a cruise. Yeah. And, you know, Calvin and I, I've never been on a cruise. Calvin but it's never been on a cruise, right, Calvin? Well, I've never been on a really, you know, I've been on the circle line, you know. Yeah, that does not count. <laughs> I, does that count? I, no, I, I guess not. I don't know if, if mine counts. When I was well, a, on a kid, I was on a very small, very crappy Russian cruise ship. Uh it don't don't go on a crappy Russian cruise yeah, ship, people. Well, it sounds ends like badly. You know, as I, imprisoned as I on a Russian be- submarine. <laughs> as well, I mentioned it- before, my family loves cruises. My 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 uh, my late mother loved cruises, and you know, I can see her now complaining about you know you talking and looking at me and saying you're no fun. You never want to do anything fun uh, because you know what I the notion the, these trips to nowhere. Uh, the, my family loves to get on these ships where they cruise to the Caribbean. You, I think you can get off for a second and buy stuff and get back on, and it comes right back. But, man, it's just not for me. Heidi. Heidi, I can't hear you. Oh, a lot of people probably uh, signed up with great enthusiasm for this because I think who they're, they're, they're aiming it at is collectors who want to be on a boat with Robert sure. Kirkman. And, you know, that they'll have signings, they'll have exclusives, yeah. they'll have, you know, uh, the things that you do on a celebrity cruise ship. Sure, sure. And, and, you know, it's for, it's for high rollers. Yeah. Well, yeah I, mean, no, I, I, have to, I have to say, I mean, it sounds like under ordinary circumstances, I would consider it fun. It's just that now I, I'm a little leery of these things. Yeah, hey, if you like it, uh, it's great. Now, here in the real world, which is actually not very real, it's becoming more and more virtual every day, there's still plenty of conventions going on. Yes, many, uh, many virtual many. events. And I happen to be a part of two of them. So, um, you know, uh, uh, actually, uh, uh, earlier today, um, I was a part of Angle Lim's attempt to, I don't know, I guess hold some um partial version of the Angolan Fair. I think there are some small in-person events going on as well. I may be wrong about that. But this was the Angolan Rights Market Conference. Uh, and it was an uh, <clears throat> and it was an online panel on comics and the digital shift publishing during a pandemic pandemic and per- perspectives on the future. Really was actually uh, a great collection <clears throat> of of, uh, uh, of comics professionals. Um, a couple of uh, a couple of panelists had to drop out at the last minute, but we really had a great group. Uh, Sophie Castile, who does international rights for MediaTune uh, and Europe, works over Europe Comics. Uh, Luc Borsier, who's the CEO of Isneo, the uh, basically the the French comicsology. Um, who uh, Mike Kennedy, of course, uh, we all know, uh, publisher of Magnetic Press. Julian Louis, who uh, does web uh, webtoon uh, factory in Belgium. Um, now, uh, is that aligned with webtoon? You know, I'm not entirely sure about that, uh, and we didn't go deeply in it, but it sounds as though it is because it is native digital cartooning for mobile phones. Mm. 
Okay, probably. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, I think they'd have a hard time calling themselves a web too. I, yeah, I think so. I think that there is a, a there is a an alliance there, a yeah. partnership there. Uh, Mark Siegel, of course, um, editor director of First Second Comics. Uh, let's see, did I leave anybody out? Uh, no. So yes. Yeah. So uh, actually, we we talked about a lot of subjects. Mostly, I I did talk a little bit about what was going, what had happened in North America, the impact of the pandemic on. Um, <clears throat> on retailers, distributors, and librarians, obviously, as well as publishers, uh, and in the role of, uh, of not only digital comics, but digital tools, selling online, virtual conventions. We talked about that as well. Um, uh, how, how this has changed their business. Uh, how, in fact, uh, the digital convention actually has allowed them uh, to reach more fans and more consumers. Uh, how actually it's actually uh, driven the growth of uh, reading digital comics in France, where it's in digital comics are even smaller percentage of the business than they are here in the but U.S. But they did have Isneo did have some uh, charts and slides uh, that show uh, that French publishers always oh, they do. do. <laughs> I, but I love that man. Whenever you go to a French comics business panel, they are charted out the yin yang. Uh, but they showed that um, is you know. For some reason, uh, readership soared in 2020. Uh, can't Gosh. imagine. Yeah, I wonder why. Shocker, but um, you know, hey, listen, it it, it is exposing. I I did wake up and I I was uh, meaning to listen to this and I, I saw probably the second two thirds of this panel. And said, good job, Calvin, and well, uh, good, you. you know, good 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 panel and um, good panelists. And um, uh, so but, yeah. you know, they but they all did kind of reiterate what we've said here a zillion times in every single panel that I've seen is that, you know what, we had a really good 2020. <laughs> well, once again, yeah, and I tried to emphasize it about North America, and that was pretty much the same thing in, in, in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, across the board, uh, everyone was really did well mm -hmm. uh, in 2020. And as we've talked about before, look, I mean, uh, if there was ever a time people needed uh, entertainment, ed educational material, uh, engaging visual storytelling, this was the time. Absolutely. And yeah. it was reflected in sales across the board. So, uh, um, and, but that wasn't the only one. Uh, between, uh, uh, in January, was January 13th to January 16th, uh, was the annual, uh, Schomburg Center in Harlem's Black Comic Book Festival transformed this year into Shamcom, and that's actually the the, the URL shamcom.org, uh, a virtual uh, Schomburg Black Comic Book Festival. I moderated a panel, but look, this is this is if you want to know uh, see a really great cross section of artists, ventures, publishers, uh, retailers uh, uh, of color. Uh, this is this was really a terrific show, and in many ways, I think it showed off what virtual comic cons offer. They just give more reach; they're archived, so you can read, you can go to them at your leisure. Um, I learned about black artists that I really had didn't know anything about, and I also was able to hear people who I knew but really hadn't seen their comics or hadn't talked to them for a while. Very quickly, um, uh, I'm going to recommend three panels, one of which is the one I moderated, but a panel called Bailey's, which was about LGBTQ 
comics and comics by people of color in the Bay Area. And uh, 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 the Baileys is also a digital newsletter that I think is about to become a print um, book through a Kickstarter. But it's organized – the newsletter is organized by two terrific young cartoonists, Lawrence Lindell, who I first met uh, at um, SBX in Washington, D.C., uh, and Brina Nunez, who is an Afro-Latina. Uh, and uh, Lawrence uh, did an amazing mini-comic zine called uh, I Couldn't Afford Therapy, So I Did This Comic. And it was about dealing with bipolar uh, syndrome, PT- PTSD and mental health in general, really aimed at black uh, black people, at the black queer people, and it was it's smart, it's funny. Uh, he's a terrifically sensitive guy. Um, and Brina uh, also does comics uh, about uh, being Afro Latin, uh, Latino, and Latina. Um, it's 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 a lot of it about DIY, but really, uh, it's a great panel. The two of them are interviewed by another fantastic person, Deirdre Hallman, who's the founder of the Black Comics Collective. She's also a co-founder of the Black Comic Book Festival, along with John Jennings and um, and Jerry Craft, and another brother whose name I'm forgetting, so I apologize. Which panel was that, Kelvin? This is the panel that called uh, it's called the Baileys LGBT. Oh yeah, yeah, Comics, yeah. yeah. I'm looking the at the Area. website; it actually does only have uh, Lawrence and Brina on it, so. Yeah, so it's it's a great panel. Uh, very uh, by quick, the way, Lawrence Lindell, uh, nominee for Dwayne McDuffie Award this year. Oh, good. He should be. He, he, yeah. Talented guy. They both, I think, have books coming out. They didn't want to they, – they, they kind of hinted about it but, but didn't want to say too much. So something to keep in mind. Uh, the other panel I'll recommend is the Comics Chitlin Circuit, and basically about building a network to basically produce your own comics. And this was a great panel. With John Jennings, uh, you know, the uh, adapter of Kindred, uh, the fabulous Ron Wimberly, the, the equally fabulous Spike Trotman, uh, Andre Owens and Jason Reeves, who I don't know as well, but incredible uh, artist as well. Check it out. It's a, just a great discussion about uh, black comics creators and what you got to do to get your stuff out there. Uh, and then last uh, and, and certainly not least. Uh, I moderated the panel on Megascope, and Megascope is the new imprint at Abrams Comics Art. It's uh, headed up and curated by, once again, John Jennings. Uh, and we, uh, I, I interviewed the creators around two of the, the, the new books that are coming out from the imprint. One is After the Rain, which is the, an, an adaptation of a short story by, um, uh, Nettie Okorafor, the great uh, Nigerian-American science fiction author, uh, created by John Jennings and David Bram, fabulous story set in Africa with a with a Nigerian-American going back. It's really uh, uh, Okorafor's uh, one of her pure horror comics, but it's African horror, and it's visually absolutely stunning. And also Black Star, which is a a kind of uh, an echo. Alien environmental graphic novel, science fiction graphic novel about a about a deep space uh, um, mission gone horribly wrong, and uh, uh, written by Eric Glover and and drawn by Ariel Jovellano. So I, I want to I don't want to keep going on, but check it out. Shamcom 
is really an excellent virtual comics convention. And, yeah, it's great that they have, you know, this, Calvin, this is the beauty of the virtual con. All the panels are still online. Yes. You can go watch them, and, you know, if you're like me and, you know, we're too, did not get to see these, I, I, I'm like, man, I got to check these out because there's so many great creators on there. So, um, yeah, you know, look, we, everybody I talk to, just to wrap it in a bow, everyone I talk to says when cons do come back, and they will come back because we yes. just can't stand not seeing other people and seeing our friends. Uh, they will be hybrid events. There will be a digital component and there will be uh, the in-person component. And, you know, someday it'll be right back to where we were uh, only different. Uh, so yes, yeah. No, know. I I think you're absolutely. Hopefully, right. I'll be alive. That's my yes. This, well, that's, that's the alive. That's what we have to work on right now for for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, you know, talking about um talking about uh, Nettie Corfor and Megascope is a nice segue to uh, kind of a nice story this week. Uh, which is really cool is uh, Unique Studios has uh, teamed up with Dark Horse Comics, and Unique is a small boutique publisher. Uh, that was founded by a fellow by the name of Roya Okupe, who is Nigerian. Uh, he lives in the United States, but he's, and he's a really smart, uh, really nice guy and really dedicated to comics. Uh, met him at a couple of, uh, functions. Uh, goes to Baltimore Comic Con. But anyway, he, his unique studios has been turning out a bunch of comics that he writes and they have, uh, Nigerian, uh, artists. And you know, there is a lot of talent in the Nigerian comic scene. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and frankly, his unique studios may well end up being the entry point for a lot of Nigerian talent into the American market. Yeah. And on, and to Heidi's point that, that what a hotspot, uh, I think, uh, Nigeria is for, for cartooning as, as well as animation. I, I I'm going to send people to publishersweekly.com slash comics. We did a story, uh, Rob Salkowitz did a story of us about Vortex 24-7, a really interesting digital comics mm-hmm. uh, subscription service based out of Lagos, Nigeria, that's doing some real kick-ass comics and also has his hand in animation. And so we're going to see more and more stuff coming out of Nigeria. Yeah, and uh, also, I mean, Disney uh, announced and when they had their big Disney day a couple months ago. I guess it was a couple months ago. I lose track of time. But uh, anyway, they announced that they were teaming up with uh, uh, Kugali, another uh, Pan-African comics animation company uh, cool. that will again be based on uh, African lore and uh, Nigerian le- uh, lore and legend. Uh, as is uh, the Unique Studios uh, line, by the way. Uh, yes. You know, they have three mm-hmm. titles, Malika, Warrior Queen, Iano, Child of Wonder, also a Dwayne McDuffie nominee, by the way, and oh, cool. The Legend of Whale Williams. But, uh, they, you know, they're they're very fresh books. They just have a different viewpoint, uh, different kind of stories to tell, uh, fantasy, science fiction, just uh, good stuff. And, you know, it's very nice, very smart, I think, of Dark Horse. You know, pick up the studio. Uh, you know, but, People who are doing things, doing good things, uh, you know, add them to your portfolio and even more good things will happen. There you go. There you go. All right. So let's see. Where are we at? Where are we at? Wow. It's so rare that. Well, you know, speaking of the Dwayne McDuffie Award, it's award season already. In comics, uh, you know, they just had the ALA, the virtual ALA winter meeting was also held. And this is where the, um, they had given the Newberry Award, of course, last year, won by Jerry Craft, which was, you know, the, 
the Miracle on Ice for comics, you know, a graphic novel. <laughs> well, without a doubt. In winning the Newberry is like, you know, just a dream. Yeah. Uh, the last, that was really uh, the last frontier. I, you know, until, until a graphic novel wins like the, uh, you know, the uh, book award, the National Book Award for fiction. I, that's the only uh, frontier. We can only, we can only wish and pray. Yeah. Well, I would, wouldn't say it's impossible. So yeah. there's a huge list of these winners. They give out lots of awards. Librarians love to give out awards. So let's see if I can find uh, the ones that were um, comics related. Well, Yuka Shimizu, uh, who's done a lot of comics, she's such a great illustrator. This wasn't really a, a comic, but uh, she was on the uh, the honor list for the Caldecott Medal, which is the the for uh, the book The Cat Man of Aleppo, which sounds really good uh, just for the title alone. Um, so uh, let me see. Well, here's a big shocker. Gene uh, Yang was named an honor <laughs> book for the Prince Award, which is given to YA. It's the YA equivalent of the Newbery. So he w- uh, was an honor book for Dragon Hoops, which, you know, we've talked about endlessly here because it's so great. Um, now, this one is uh, uh, the Schneider Family Book Award. A book that embodies the artistic expression of disability experience. Uh, honor book there was When Scars Are Scattered, written by Victoria Jameson and Omar Muhammad, uh, and illustrated by Victoria Jameson. You know, she did Roller Girl. So I have not actually ah. seen that book, but, um, you know, congrats. Uh, and then the, um, the Alex Awards are presented to adult books that appeal to teens, and uh, one of them, too were comics. One was Kent State for Dead in Ohio by Durf Backdurf, another book we've talked about quite a bit here. Uh, sure. the, uh, and then Solutions and Other Problems by Ali Brosh was also on there. I was really ca- happy to see oh, yeah. that. She, yeah. uh, I don't know if you saw that book, but she went full comics in it. You know, her first book, yes. Hyperbole and a Half, was like essays with illustrations. But for this book, it was actually pure comics. And um, it's really a... a, a uh, you know, I'm glad she kind of a little come back because she kind of dropped out of sight for quite a while. You uh, did a stargazing on it, by the way. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and the book is in part about what she was up to and why she dropped off the face of the earth. Yes, so yes, it's it's thick too. It's not a yes. fast read. It's a it's a pretty pretty big read. Um, and now here's one. So this one I'm really happy about that Mildred L. Batchelder Award is given to. Uh, books that were published in another language and translated. And uh, there was an honor book. It didn't win the award, but it was Catherine's War, a graphic novel written by Julia B.A., illustrated by Claire Favel, and then translated by a very good friend of this podcast, Ivanka Hahnenberger. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, she yes. – uh, I, I did talk to Julia at uh, ALA, I guess it's two years ago now. So, uh, she, you know, it's a really good book. But Ivanka, I think – I think her translations are really good. I've said that she is really, you know, a book when I see her name as the translated that I know I'm really going to enjoy reading it. So I'm really happy that she won this award. Um, she's a real friend of comics. And, and, and believe me, you her name turns up as translator on some really great books, uh, European translations. Yeah. It's really, yes. yeah. So there's a whole other raft of books, and I don't see any others that were um, – directly comics, but I might have missed some because there's a, probably about a hundred books that won awards yeah. or had prizes. So but anyway, congrats to all of the uh, honorees. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, oh, you know, on. one of, 
I'm sorry, go on, Heidi. Go on, Heidi. No, 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 you had a segue. You were about to see, you had a real segue going on there, Calvin. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, you know, we've been living under pandemic and we've been, uh, dealing with the obstacles that, that, that it has generated. Uh, but you know what? New companies launch. People, uh, are, you know, setting forth, uh, despite all this. And we've seen quite a few new ventures, new companies launched during this and period. And there's more to come. There's uh, all these I have, more to I come. have more to come on that, yeah. And um, uh, one of these things are some companies, and some of them by, I think, people that are friends of the show in many ways. Yes, yes, they are. They're all friends of the show, let's be honest. <laughs> well, one of them is in paper, which really is like a whole bunch of friends of the shows. Um, it's basically a, a group of veteran pop culture professionals. Uh, they're basically creating a new content development company. It's gonna, uh, obviously comics are gonna be a big part of it. Books are gonna be a big part of it. But really they're looking to create, to, to take ideas, uh, help people turn them into all kinds of media formats. And it's called In Paper. I think I already said that. And it's co-founded by Rich Johnson, former, uh, executive at Line Forge, DC Comics, uh, co-founder of Yen Press. Uh, Cindy Barwick, uh, also I think formerly worked at Line Forge a bit. Uh, Jim Killen, um, you know, graphic novel, uh, buyer at Barnes and Noble forever. And uh, also, Jim is a legend in the science fiction and, Yes, yeah, science you fiction. Know, fantasy. I mean, I think Absolutely. we were so, uh, entranced by how much it for the graphic novel world that we weren't as aware of the fact that this guy's a titan in Absolutely. fantasy and, circles like, like George R. R. Martin and Neil. Years. Yeah, <laughs> like like George R. R. Martin and Neil Gaiman worship this guy. So which they should. Okay. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, in addition, of course, uh, uh, Chris Longo, uh, formerly of DC, founder of Geek uh, Geek Riot Media. Uh, so they're basically putting together a story. They have some of their own idea uh, ideas for for books that they. Uh, uh, are going to work with, you know, form partnerships to develop. They're also looking for people to bring ideas to them, uh, and they can, can work with, uh, a creator, a publisher, uh, to, uh, to either put together a, a book producing package, uh, pitch it to a movie house, uh, create an animation, whatever the story, uh, where, where, wherever they think the story should go and, and, and how they can help it, that's what they're there to do. So, um, uh, to call them veterans in this pop culture business is an understatement. Yeah. All right. Well, I, uh, yes. And, and good luck to all of them. Uh, you know, like we said, we are definitely friends of this podcast. Uh, another friend of the podcast, uh, Ku Yu Liang. Uh, yep. I think he's been on the podcast for sure, right? He must have been on, we must yes. have interviewed him at oh, yes. some I point mean, over the long, on the floor of a giant convention. But uh, Ku is really one of the, uh, most wide ranging portfolios. Like he were started at Random House. Uh, then he was, he founded Diamond Book Distributors. He was hired at Diamond to start Diamond yes. Book Distribution. Yes. So that was his baby. A watershed event. In, in- and then he worked for, uh, Reed Pop and doing their shows and, and, you know, expanding internationally. And so he knows all this. He knows everything really. And he started his own company called Coup Worldwide, which is, it's a consulting business, but you know, he is there to, uh, you know, give his expertise to people who need it. And trust me, a lot of people need some expertise as they embark on their ventures. Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah. So, uh, new companies, uh, 
you know, take that COVID. <laughs> yes, and can't uh, stop us. Yep, they 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 can't be stopped. So, uh, and let me see what else. You know, we kind of jumped. I, I made a mistake here. We did jump over some of our other awards that we had. So, because we we're also the Yalsa list was announced also at ALA. Just oh, to go right. back just a little bit. So the Yalsa list is. Uh, Young Adult Library Services Association, oh, and yes. mm-hmm. they have, uh, you know, this is like once these books get on there, they are selling to libraries, and you know, libraries have their own issues nowadays. But uh, this is another great list: uh, All American Girl by Robin Hobb, Blue Flag by Kaito, uh, Fights by Joel Christian Gill again. You know, so many of these names keep coming back up. Go with the Flow by Lily Williams and Kara yeah, Chiman, yeah. Guantanamo Voices edited by Sarah Merck, uh The Lolo Woods by Carmen Maria yeah. Machado, mm-hmm. Donnie and Tamara Bonvion, The Magic Fish by Trump. Which you, yes, which you were talking about not right, too long ago. Heidi. Right, yeah. Sna- Snapdragon by Cat Lay, and Superman Smashes the Clan by Jean That's Yang, right. and Wonder Twins. By Mark Russell and Stephen Byrne. Uh, Mark Russell, I mean, man, everything that guy touches is uh, turns to gold. Uh, he is such a good writer. Um, and uh, then we had some manga awards, too. Yes, we did. We had the um, Manga Taisho Awards. Um, so there are some very specific rules for the Manga Taisho Awards, which says something about the manga industry, but I think they're great rules, which is that the manga title has to have been released in the last year and – it has to have eight volumes or fewer to be eligible. Yes. Which I think is a great rule that the Hugos should probably have instituted so that Girl Genius didn't win years and years in a row. Um, so the titles that are nominated are a lot of books that may not have even come out in English yet. We may not have even heard of yet. But don't worry, we will. Um, okay, so there's... Oshinoko um, by Aka Akasaka and Mango Yokoyari. There's Chi Chiyuku no Undu no Sweet Wotu. Uh, don't know that one. Um, <laughs> love, love your pronunciation too. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Now. You are indeed. You, she's you doing are a great indeed. job. She's been to Japan. She knows how to say that. She's, she's I, doing I a better job than I would be doing. That's okay. for sure. There's Spy X Family, which I have heard of, by Tetsuyo Endo. Yeah, There's Mizu wa Umi no Makata Nagaru um, by Reto Tajima. And then there's one I have heard about, again. Uh, B.L. Metamorphosis by Kaori Surutani, um, which is a intergenerational friendship tale about a uh, senior citizen who's a boys' love fan and a teenager who's a boys' oh, love I've fan. Heard of, I've heard of this book. Uh, it's Bridget, super cute. Bridget and Deb talk about it all the time. Uh, Monster Number 8 by Naoya Matsumoto. Uh, Kowloon Generic Romance. By Jun Mazuyuki, Soso Nofririn, by Kanahiko Yamada and Abitsukasa, and Ono no Sono no Hoshi by Yama Wayama. Oh, and one more called Karaoke Eco, which I have no idea what it is, but it appears to be karaoke themed, and I am curious. Also by Yama Wayama, who yeah, apparently but, is having a very good year. I, I was going to say, it was a huge year for Yama Wayama. Uh, yep. And so uh, good, good uh, for, you know, congrats to them. 
Yeah, because what you're seeing here is a preview of what's going to be on our shelves and big next year. Stuff that maybe didn't get into Simul Translate, stuff maybe you haven't heard of. If it's winning a Manga Taisho nomination, you're probably eventually yeah. going to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to see all of these um, so, bots in the United States. So. so, yeah, well, you've got a couple which have come out in the United States. Most have not. Um, so this is how sometimes lesser-known titles come to the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And final award news this is a little personal news note uh, that uh, the you know one of the uh, well I mean now it's going to sound self-serving when I say this but <laughs> I've always felt that one of the most prestigious prizes was the Cartoonist Studio Prize which was presented by the Center for Cartoon Studies and formerly by Slate Magazine. Uh, but Slate is no longer uh, partnering with them, and so The Beat will be the new media partner for Fabulous. the award. And oh. uh, so proud, like I uh, just really honored to even be. Um, How did you snag that, Heidi? Well, uh, you know, they came to me, and oh. so that's even more. That's you even know, more of an honor. Excellent. That's even yeah. more of an honor that they thought we were a great partner. And um, fabulous. And so, yeah, and Avery Kaplan, who's our wonderful features editor, will be the beat staffer uh, who will be reading hundreds of comics. Uh, Avery, I gave you that task because I just wouldn't do as good a job at it. Uh, so anyway, but Avery's so excited. And anyway, yeah, you know, love James Storm, love CCS. Uh, yes, absolutely. Really thrilled. And a uh, big shout out. I want to shout out to our sponsors, uh, Wacom, Felix Comics Art, and Dennis Kitchen. Um, you know, part of the slate. Uh, sponsorship was was financial, and uh, we all went out and looked for new sponsors, and we found some pretty awesome. uh, pretty easily. So that was uh, you know really great folks there. So um, yeah, and you know here we go. We just uh, we fought over whether to even mention this uh, on on this podcast, but uh, DC's Comics Portal has launched DC <laughs> uh, DC um, Comics Universe, Universe Infinite. Infinite, which has the worst. Name. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, AT&T. And, uh, you know, but anyway, it's out there. This is an all you need yes. eat comics portal, just like Marvel Unlimited, mm-hmm. which has been running for 12 years. It took mm-hmm. DC 12 years 12 to figure out how to do this. Yeah. And uh, for, I think it's seven ninety nine a month, uh, you can get like 25,000 comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. perfect novels. I am personally going... <laughs> to wait until it's been out just long enough to work out the kinks. Um, and then once I cancel my Crunchyroll subscription, because I've watched all of that that I want to watch for a little while, then I'll switch that money over into DC Universe Infinite. Because uh, as a person who's more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan, I have long said that, you know, if DC ever has their version of uh, Marvel Unlimited, then I would try it out. And I'm, I'm interested in doing so once it's got some time to work the kinks out and load more books on. Mm-hmm. I, I love to hear uh, binge strategies. So, yes, this sounds sounds great. Yeah, my binge yeah. strategy is, is never start in the first month because they usually don't have enough stuff on it and everything breaks down. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, I will say they do have some free comics available in the first month. Uh, so if you do log in, it's available on Android, uh, on iOS, all the places you might want to download something. And uh, they have a bunch of free comics on there that are some pretty good ones. So, you know, you can get your feet wet and just see if it is to your liking. There you go. 
That's great. Digital comics in the house. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Uh, well, you know, very quickly, I just want to uh, point people to a couple of stories on publishersweekly.com slash comics uh, that they might be interested in. Um, we've got a story uh, by Rob Salkowitz called Topacy's Big Games for Digital Comics. And, you know, we did a big story a few months back really about the whole uh, Webtoons, Tapas, Stella um, platforms and what they're doing for mobile comics. So this is a deeper dive into Tapas only. Uh, check it out. They've had some really big gains over the course of the over the pandemic. Very impressive growth, impressive creator growth, impressive revenue growth. And and uh, Rob Asakos will tell you all about it. Uh, we've also uh, got uh, the most read comic stories of 2020 uh, on Publishers Weekly. Uh, and I'll give you the, uh, uh, the, the most read story, uh, comic story on PW in 2020 was, um, PW's anti-racist graphic novel reading list. So, um, uh, go and check it out. Uh, it's actually the 15, the top 15 stories, uh, from 2020. And in addition to that, we also have the, uh, announcements for the spring 2021 graphic novels and we've got a top 10 there uh and among them will be a new work by Allison Bechtel so you won't want to miss it uh what is it called the um uh, da, 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 what is it called the secret of super yeah the secret of superhuman strength that is finally coming out I it's mean, she's coming out, out in may decade it's but good coming for out her. Of took her, you know, talk about you know little Ali Brosh syndrome there. I think uh, you know Allison had such huge success with Fun Home, and and Are You My Mother? I think you know that that definitely kind of finished off the story of her parents, and then she took a break, and that's okay. Yeah. So um, check it out, publishersweekly.com/slash/comics. All right, Kate. I think you have some briefs for us this week. Okay, so we're ready for briefs. Excellent. So there's been a veritable fire hose of Netflix news spraying everywhere, and comics got hit by some of it. So um, first off, uh, Alice Oseman's Heartstopper, the um, gay romance webcomic, is coming to Netflix in an adaptation. It's not clear whether it will be animated or not. No, it's live. It is live action. They did it is live that. action yeah, because yeah. none of the articles I said I found could say just they just said they're making it into a show. They didn't say whether it would be live action or or animated. So good to know, Heidi. Thank you. Um, and so, you know, it's always great when someone comes straight from web comics, like all the way to the top of the food chain. Um, I expect to see more from her in the future. Also, uh, Netflix has ordered, this is sort of, I guess you might say, comics and manga adjacent, has off, has authorized, um, two supposed anime, um, Skull Island, based on the King Kong Skull Island, and Tomb Raider. So they will be done by Japanese studios, but it, it'll be interesting to see what the cultural flavor of those are. And, and the big news, saving the best for last, they've started announcing casting for a Sandman live action series. 
Ooh. It's happening, you guys. The it's crowd happening. goes wild. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. So uh, they're they're doing some interesting casting here. Um, first off, uh, Lucifer, who is in the comics, male appearing. I mean. He is presenting. a fallen angel. Male, yeah, male, male presenting. presenting. Male yeah. presenting. He is a fallen angel, and gender is really not That's fully true. a thing for them. Um, is going to be played by Gwendolyn Christie. Uh, that is to say, Brianna of Tarth and Captain Phasma herself. <laughs> um, Tom Sturridge, who admittedly I've never heard of, is going to be getting the leading role as Dream. Well, the, the, the so, and let me just jump in here. They sent out a, a headshot of him with his hair all tousled, so he's got that. Uh, and as I, I read his IMDb page, he also played Lord Byron. So brooding, mysterious, <laughs> moody man. Uh, he, he's got a good, pretty good pedigree. So sounds yeah. sounds promising. They, he's sounds done it before, so they're pretty <laughs> sure he could do it again. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, also, uh, they are doing some gender-bent casting. Lucian, the librarian of dreams, um, in the comic, Lucian is male and sort of vaguely Caucasian in a dream creature kind of way. Uh, whereas now, uh, Lucian, librarian of dreams, will be played by a black woman, Vivienne Ashampong. Um, Boyd cool. Halbrook, again, I've never heard of him but I'm sure he's great, is going to be playing the Corinthian. Um, so that's going to be a little alarming, um, but that's as it should be. And also, I, I've got to say, it's again, not casting I would have expected, but when you see the pictures, you're like, I don't know who these men are, but they look perfectly cast. Um, they are casting Cain and Abel as Southeast Asian. So, cool. uh, Asim Chowdhury is playing Abel, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Sanjeev Bhaskar is Kane, the first predator. So, they are kind of, I guess you might call the itchy and scratchy of the dreaming, <laughs> where uh, in between injecting comical commentary, the uh, Kane murders Abel regularly. <laughs> so who's playing Death? So uh, Death not, casting has not yet. been announced. No, yet. They just announced seven. They're gonna. I'm sure it's going to be a huge cast. And also, it well, sounds I like know who's going to play Death. Yeah, of course everybody does. But uh, <laughs> well, I think they're going to save that for their yeah. last big name. Yeah, save save the blast. But uh, I I think you know I look. I don't think Sandman's going to be eight episodes and out. I think they're going to probably do sixty episodes of Sandman. I so you know we're so. going to get sixty issues, sixty episodes. So it's you know, hard to imagine this not this yeah, not working. So you might I, not I don't have Death Cast yet because she didn't show up right until like issue ten. Uh, so okay. yeah, I don't know. I I don't. Netflix tends to run short. If it's their own productions as opposed to like really long things they've licensed. So I'm, I would, much as I'd love a 60 episode series, I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of compression and, uh, cherry picking. But we'll oh, see. Oh, I don't think so because with, 
no. Well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but, you know, look what they're doing with Bridgerton. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> loves Bridgerton. American Gods was a pretty big hit, too, wasn't it? I say it's successful. What's well, successful? It's yeah. Successful, but it's not. Netflix is doing its own thing. It's not it's not going through the people who made American Gods. So I think there's going to be a, a different strategy, mm-hmm. which would not be the worst thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, believe me, I want to see it. I want to see it, too. I'm very <laughs> so, eager. So for yeah. sure. Well, we wait you, Sandman. I guess, right? There will yeah. definitely be more to come on that. There yes. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. All the comics news that we could fit. Now, I, all right. We have a couple of extra minutes here. So I'm just going to say uh, we teased that we we're going to talk about Wonder Woman 84. But uh, Kate has been, uh, you know, well, we can talk about that. swoggled by one of my favorite topics, HBO Max. Oh. Tell us what happened, Kate. Well, after trying to download it three different times and failing and then forgetting about it and then going, oh, yeah, I want to watch that and failing again to download Too it. Too late. <laughs> yeah. Then then they decided apparently in their genius that they would pull it completely from circulation in the United States unless you want to go to a COVID theater uh, after one month. So after trying like three times to download it, on three different days, I suddenly was – I tried again. And I was like, oh, I'll give it another shot. And I was like, wait, where did it go? And then I was like, oh, okay, I wonder where it's streaming now or where I can buy it. And the answer was nowhere. Well, you know so what the you key – you guys should talk about the, it. Well, the key sentence in what you just said, Kate, is, and then I forgot about it. You know, here's the thing. Everybody, it is true. And I, I saw it, uh, HBO Max touting that they had a lot of new subscribers to watch Wonder Woman 84. So good for them. That's why they, they did what they did. A lot of people down, you know, down, I assume when you're saying download, you mean the HBO app or? No, 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 no. I mean, down, you, the HBO app allows you to download yeah. films and, and television episodes. Yeah. And I do a lot of, my watching during my commute. So I, you know, what happens is I think I'm going to get on this bus or I'm going to get on this subway. So then I attempt to download it. And then it would inexplicably freeze up, refuse to download. I would spend half an hour trying to get the thing to download. It wouldn't download. And I'd give up because I had to move on with my life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, the, I, I, I've seen a lot of stories floating around Hollywood that are like, was Wonder Woman 84? Did it work for HBO Max? And, you know, they're, they're saying it did, but, um, you know, and they didn't make it clear enough. I think I got an email that was like, you only have three more days. I was gonna, I was gonna watch it again, but then I was like, I, I really don't need to watch this movie again. Um, and when it someday comes on to HBO Max with all the other DC movies and maybe some rainy day, I will watch it again. Um, but, that's kind yeah. of right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I in one eye and out the other. Yeah, yeah, it it may have worked for HBO Max, but HBO Max did not work for Wonder Woman. Yes. Because like, you know, I mean, I wasn't vastly motivated because unfortunately no one in my life wanted to watch it with me, but like I in good faith tried to download that like a bunch of times. 
and HBO Max thwarted me, and uh, so I didn't watch Wonder Woman. Well, I mean, I watched it. Um, I was disappointed in a lot of things about it. I'm not in Gail Godot because it's she's Gail Godot. <laughs> she, uh, she's still, you know, radiant, and um, she's a great Wonder Woman. But you know, if we ever do get to talking about it, I mean, there's some there there's some issues around that film that. Um, well, talk about it. Well, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. think that. Look, we're, well, one thing we're running out of time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I will just say this: it just had a very weak story. It had a it very really weak story. Did. It had some really, I, you know, I thought. I agree. Look, I love Pedro Pascal. Uh, I yeah. I kind of liked his, his. Well, no, I love him. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, and. I think he did the best he could with this version of Maxwell Lord, but it just was all over the place. And so it was, was the cheetah. You know, it was, awful. It was like Batman <laughs> it was awful. Returns, which has the Penguin and Catwoman in it and really no story whatsoever, but not as good. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, yeah. what a waste. Uh, believe me, I, 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 I wrote notes about my disappointment. So I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that. Well, I, I didn't. You know, I didn't pull them out because I didn't think we were going to be talking about it. Right. Well, Kate, if you do still have, you still have HBO Max, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Because you know what is streaming on there? Wonder Woman, the original. And you know what? I rewatched that before I watched Wonder Woman '84. Yeah. You know what? That movie really holds up. What uh, a delightful film to watch yes. and rewatch. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think the I, I thought the, the superhero. The superheroics in Wonder Woman were okay. I mean, the fights and whatnot—they they were fine. But the story has major problems. Completely convoluted. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, unpersuasive. Um, yeah. and 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 really disappointing. So uh, does in it terms of from how a wizard did it. Well, it just suffers from uh, how they frame this heroic female warrior. Uh, her relationship. I think to the men in the movie are it's a problem, and yeah. I'll I'll just leave it at that. I think that's that's more than enough. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't Let's, get how they frame a well, female I'll tell you this. that way. They, they just released the trailer for uh, Kong versus Godzilla, and I got. I want to see that. Everybody got super <laughs> excited for this. Okay, I want to see that. Now, I'm a huge yes. fan of Godzilla: King of the Monsters, the last movie. I thought it was really it had one of the best trailers of all time. I thought the film was really good too. Um, so you know, this experiment is going to continue uh, with HBO Max and their their you know with the, releasing their theatrical slate on HBO Max, and we'll see how it goes. You know, Disney is holding back. On Black Widow, and you know they are not giving in. So we'll see who wins that contest. Yeah, we certainly will. I think they should hold them for as long as they can. It's mm. going to be a while, though. It's going to be a while before I'm ready to sit in the theater, though. So well, you know, maybe what they should do is they should lean harder on the drive-in and the well, outdoor that's, theaters. That's one way, but I mean, they can't really make money that way. There's, I mean, how many of those things are left? Unless I mean, I can't start... believe. I can't believe that. That in a year's time we haven't had a rash of drive-ins. I mean, it's yeah, that's what I don't understand. Why aren't the movie theaters that already exist putting up a screen outside? I think that I think they have been doing it. I mean, I think there have been, but I mean, there are not that many left. Yeah, there's not enough. (laughs) And 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 I think there's been some makeshift attempts at doing it, 
But the fact is, I mean, if you don't have a vast parking lot with a massive screen, what are you going to do? I mean, it's not going to help New Yorkers. I mean, you know. No, no. I know. Because there's but no plenty of the country are, are not New Yorkers. Yeah. Yeah, plenty of people have wide open spaces. But, you know, so I, on, I guess the technology is not there, you know. Like you could – I don't think it would be too – difficult to put up a big flat screen to project but I, I have a feeling that the actual projection technology is probably uh and you know and the audio where you have to have the speaker in your car and all that so yeah. you know it's probably pretty expensive but probably people don't want to invest in it because yeah. they think this will be over anytime now yeah. so i mean, well, I I mean I, did you guys I, actually go to uh drive-in movies i did yeah. yes yeah. i did i'm you old did? enough yeah. my first yeah. movie was at a drive-in yeah it yeah was, no i we used to go all the time yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well they um they actually, these days with modern technology, it actually can be cheaper because what they can do is uh, they can Bluetooth it. Oh, I yeah, mean, right? Yeah, so that yeah. would be you know, super simple to do, of course. And, of and course. it seems like time. Anyway, yeah, what do I know? Anyway, yeah, what <laughs> do we, know? we don't know public, you know, this is not NATO, NATO to come, National Association of Theater Owners. This is comics to come. So, but anyway, Cohoax, I think we ought to wind this yeah, down. Yeah, we better wind it up. We're 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 almost out of time. So, uh, well, as always, listen. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate us. Make sure you leave us comments. And as always, there will be more to come.